Hey, Internet. Welcome to another episode of the Stop to Think podcast. Last episode, I ranted about taxes for about 30 minutes. As promised, this episode is going to be basically down the same vein. Only instead of taking aim at taxes this time, we're going to take aim at healthcare, specifically our medical system. So, as priorly mentioned, on the last episode, I had my, well, I've recently came into contact with tax, contact with the tax system. And I also recently came into contact with the healthcare system as well. Had my yearly physical, which I'd put off for two years, a couple, I think it was two weeks ago. And so when I went in for that, it was pretty much the usual thing, except with COVID precautions added with the usual package. So I got a temperature check once I came in the front door and all that fun stuff too. But long story short, show up, go through the physical, get some blood tests to get some baselines, you know, find out that I'm doing pretty good for a kid my age and that uh, shouldn't really have anything to worry about. So Thank you, God, for the good health up to this point. But um, besides that, I, I left the whole entire appointment in a pretty good mood and was quite jovial about the whole entire experience, with the exception of the blood draw, which was not the most pleasant thing ever. But, you know, there are worse things, I suppose. And then after that, um, get back home. A couple days pass, go to work, usual dealio, and then I finally get the preliminary statement. So now, mind you, I had a blood draw and three different tests performed on said blood. And then I also had just a 25-minute physical and a couple of vaccinations. I think I got my tetanus shot, and then I think I got a booster a third booster shot for something. And then like maybe 10 minutes of a nurse's time and maybe like half an hour of a doctor's time. So how much do you think all that cost? Well, I'll tell you how much it cost. About $1,288 is what the healthcare provider in my area decided to charge my insurance company. Now, fortunately for me, the company that I work for provides excellent health care. So after the insurance kind of had their way with that, I only ended up paying like $73 for the whole entire visit. But all in all, I was kind of flabbergasted at how expensive that whole entire process was. Because, um, you know... Now, I'm not really complaining about this for myself here because being an engineer, for the most part, I can usually afford those kind of healthcare expenses. Like, that wasn't really... The $1,200 would have probably been a bit of a stretch. That would have been, like, the kind of thing where I would have had to probably reach into the emergency fund a little bit. But um, 73 bucks was no big deal. I had enough, I had that much money just lying around for basically random incidentals that might have occurred during the month. So 
it wasn't a major setback for me, but as I left there thinking about like the people in our country who don't have insurance or the people in the country who aren't making engineer wages, $1,200 is a very large amount of money. And it kind of seems absurd because I was only at the doctor's appointment for about 45 minutes. The nurse came in, took my blood pressure, uh, at the end of the appointment, she gave me two shots. All in all, the nurse had 10 minutes into the visit and the doctor had about 25 minutes. And then the lab tech had like another five minutes. And that's the whole entire time I spent at the doctor's appointments, literally like 45 minutes. And in that 45 minutes, they felt like they could charge me $1,200 or charge my insurance company $1,200 at least. So what on earth makes 45 minutes worth $1,200? Well, if you stop to think about it, there's a lot of stuff that goes into healthcare. And we could really spend a long time just breaking down this topic, but we're just going to skim it at this point because I'm no expert. You might be noticing that that's a reoccurring theme here as I talk about stuff that I probably don't know nearly enough about. So I guess you could say that I just like running my mouth on the internet. So fun. But um, besides that, just stopping to think about it with a little bit of common sense. Obviously, a lot of overhead time went into the care that I received at the visit. Someone had to manufacture the vaccines that I received. Someone had to manufacture the building that I was in. Someone had to pay the receptionists that were there. Someone had to pay the nurse. Someone had to pay the doctor. The doctor had to go to med school. That's eight years at an expensive university, all that fun stuff. So all in all, uh, the doctor who did my blood work had to go to med school. The lab technician probably had to go to some kind of school. Overall, a lot of stuff goes into a little bit of healthcare. So it's easy to see how you could end up with extremely high costs. Now, Part of my gripe here is the bill that my insurance company received was itemized. And for both of those shots, I paid about $100 for the administration. So it was $50 for someone to administer a shot to me. I feel like that's a paying a premium. I feel like I probably could have paid someone. I probably could have bought the shot if I could have gotten a hold of it and then paid someone else to administer. I could probably have administered it to myself for being honest here. Actually, maybe not. I don't know really what goes into giving a shot. I'm, I'm guessing that when you give a shot to someone, you need to obviously pick an area that's not populated by like bone or blood vessels or anything important that you don't want to rupture. So there's a bit of training that goes into that, but I would think that in general, 
a person could probably just like show you a picture of where the shot should go on the arm and hand you the shot. And for the vast majority of people, you'd probably be able to get it right doing it yourself. Not saying that I'd want to administer a shot to myself, but I probably could have paid like my neighbor who lives across the hall to come and stab me in the arm with the shot. Like she probably would have done it for five bucks. I'm sure. So, yeah. So how does the healthcare provider determine that a shot that the act of giving a shot, mind you, not the shot itself, but the act of giving a shot is worth 50 bucks. Well, in a normal free market, what you would basically do is you, the buyer of the shot, the person paying for it, would go and shop around and ask sellers of the shot giving service how much giving the shot's going to cost. And then you'd pick the cheapest one. So then the cheapest one would have the most sales and then the competitors who want to be administering these shots would have to drop the price of their shot administration down to the cheapest one and so on and so forth until you have competition optimizing to the cheapest possible price that shots can be administered at without suffering business altering negative repercussions. In our current system, I don't think that that happened. And that's kind of the main problem with healthcare is it's not really something that's designed to be optimized. Hospitals are, for the most part, for-profit businesses. So I kind of get the sense that someone at them, health, not hospitals necessarily, healthcare providers. Healthcare providers are for-profit businesses. So someone at these healthcare providers or some MBA somewhere needs to be doing the math and figuring out what has to be charged for all of this stuff to basically make ends meet and to generate a profit. But at the same time, I think that our healthcare system currently is kind of descended into a state of what would, could best be called crony capitalism. And the reason for this is basically because there's no market pressures that are forcing healthcare companies to be competitive. So let me propose something to you. And I think we would all agree with this in general but maybe you don't, and that's fine if you don't. But I would say that a person should pay for their care and that the amount that they pay for their care should be proportional to the quality of the care that they receive. So basically, what, what that would amount to is If you need, oh, well, well, let's, let's, let's treat it this way. Let's say you have a generic disease, um, common cold, right? And there's a magic pill that can cure your common cold, but you need a prescription for it. Well, 
a lot of people would probably be qualified to determine that, yep, you have that common cold. Uh, I can write you a prescription and you can get that common cold pill that's going to cure you of your cold, right? Heck, you could probably figure that out to your own. You could probably go on the internet and determine, hey, it looks like I have all the symptoms of a common cold and it seems pretty minor, but it's still a nuisance. So I'm going to go take these pills and we're going to be good to go. Now let's say that you have some sort of neurological disorder that results in a nerve that runs through your shoulder getting pinched in your shoulder blade every time you move. That's going to require surgery to fix. Well, now you've moved into a spot where the number of people qualified, aka number of people who are capable of performing surgery on your shoulder to fix this nerve problem has drastically dropped. So the supply of people who can help you is now much lower. So to obtain the same quality, you basically have to compete with other people who need similar services from these people who are capable of providing it. And so as a result, you pay more, right? Well, that makes sense. That kind of system makes sense. Over time, if you... If enough people, if the surgery was common enough and there were few enough people who could perform the surgery that such that they could charge in a massive amount for the surgery, other people would realize that there's money to be made performing the surgery and they'd learn how to do the surgery and then they'd get into the business providing it. And then the number of people who could provide the surgery would increase, which would meet the demand for that surgery, which would basically drive down the price of the surgery and make it readily available and cheaper for everyone. So why don't we see that happening with our healthcare stuff? Well, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked. One second, I got to get a drink. Just water for those of you who are interested. Although, after the tax ordeal, today would definitely be a whiskey day. But, at any rate, in our current system, and this is once again based on how I understand it, and I could be entirely wrong, but in our current system, there are countless barriers to entry, which are constantly driving the price up. AKA the crony capitalism I was talking about. So in a perfectly elastic market, people can move around, retrain, enter and exit without much problems, right? That's not the case in the healthcare market that we actually see. It takes years to train a doctor and what's more, the number of people who are qualified to be a doctor, aka the number of people who could perform the medical services that are required of a doctor is probably greater than the number of doctors that we actually have. And this is due to basically the medical industry and the government regulating stuff to drive up prices. Right now, I can think of three problems that are kind of going on with the healthcare system based on how I understand it. First problem is government regulation. 
So you have the FDA who approves medicines, right? We're dealing with them with the COVID vaccine right now and them dragging their feet. So the Food and Drug Association. Oh, no, it's not association. Food and Drug Administration. That's the right one. The Food and Drug Administration basically goes through food and drugs and determines whether or not they're safe for public consumption. If they're safe, they approve them. If they're not safe, they don't approve them. Well, this is completely stupid. Now, you may be thinking, Chandler, how can that be completely stupid? They're protecting people. Well, let me run this thought experience experiment by you. So let's say you have a drug that can save lives, right? But it's not FDA approved. Well, what happens then? No one can use the drug. The FDA is a government organization. And they're the ones who ultimately lose face if they approve a drug that's actually dangerous, a drug that's going to cause problems. So from the FDA's perspective, they see risk, they see repercussions, they see consequences if they approve something that should not be approved. So this biases them towards it, AKA in other, in other words, the FDA is biased towards rejecting drugs because if they approve something that's bad, they're the ones who are liable for it. But if they reject something that's good, well, it becomes much harder to argue that they're the ones causing the problems. So in other words, if there's a drug that can cure a disease, but the FDA has not approved it, it's harder to blame the FDA for not having approved this drug because the people who are suffering from the illness this drug cures are kind of already written off. They're going to die anyway without the drug. So the FDA not approving it basically makes it difficult to tie their lack of approval to the consequences of these people not receiving the drug. On the flip side, though, if they do approve a drug that ends up killing people, well, then they're definitely to blame for it. Because why did you approve this drug? So the end result here is, like I said, the the FDA has a bias that doesn't align with what's best for people in America. The best service that we could get from the FDA would basically be for them to approve the good drugs as fast as possible and to reject the bad drugs as fast as possible and to never make mistakes. But they're incentivized to only approve the good drugs and to reject the bad drugs. And if there's any doubt about whether a drug is good or bad, to reject it anyway. And they're also incentivized to not do this quickly because haste makes waste, as the saying goes. If they rush through the approval of something and miss something or something's not studied enough or whatever the case may be, they're once again the ones who are on the hook. And so everything is pushing the FDA to make the drug approval process as conservative and as painful and as expensive as possible to make sure that they only approve good drugs. And the cost to this that's not ever charged to them is the number of lives and the quality of life that's lost as a result of people who can't receive drugs that the FDA hasn't approved yet, even though those drugs 
in hindsight will be proven to be completely and 100%, well, not necessarily 100%, but will be proven to be effective for treating the illnesses that are at hand. So there's one issue. Our next issue is on the insurance side of thing. Because insurance is only able to basically... Because of how healthcare is set up and how insurance is set up, you have a conflict of interest, to say the least. The insurance company is not necessarily incentivized to ensure that you get the best care. They're incentivized to maximize their profits and minimize their losses. How can they do this? Well, that's a good question. It kind of comes down to a balancing act because if they screw too many people over, well, then they're going to lose customers and they're going to be out of business. If they pay too many big ticket surgeries, they're going to lose money and they're going to be out of business. If they overpay hospitals for services that should be cheaper, they're going to lose money and be out of business. It's kind of messed up is the best way to put it. Your health insurance company isn't really incentivized to ensure that you have the best quality of healthcare you possibly can have. They're incentivized to make sure that you have the cheapest healthcare that they can afford to pay for while still making sure that you're a satisfied enough customer and that you're alive so that you don't die and that they can keep charging you. So one positive benefit about this is there's that good old saying that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Healthcare companies are usually pretty good about preventative services. And if you're good with prevent with preventative services, you can usually catch a lot of stuff before it becomes major. And it's a win-win for everyone. You don't go through a life-changing medical event that got much more serious if it was caught early and the health insurance company doesn't have to pay for an expensive life-changing medical event. But overall, because of all this negotiating directly with insurance companies and all that crap and how the system's set up, and the fact that there's not multiple parties basically creating a market for healthcare services, the prices you get for all that stuff don't actually reflect efficiency in the market. They reflect inefficiencies. So it's entirely possible for your insurance company to be getting screwed on your behalf because there isn't enough participants in the market bidding to compete with each other to lower the cost of the services. So there's the insurance side of things, which basically could be summarized as a conflict of interest, crony capitalism, whatever you want to call it. And then the third facet of this whole entire mess, uh, the mess that is our healthcare system, is the overhead cost that healthcare costs to start with. So part of this is your approval costs and the FDA plays a role in this. Certainly part of their cross to bear, but that goes more so with pretty much everything that's related to anything medical. Liability is rampant. US citizens are so happy. They'll sue the crap out of anyone they can get their hands on. So that means that healthcare providers have to have 
their own massive amount of insurance, malpractice insurance, insurance up the wazoo to basically make sure that if they get sued for something, they're not going to be financially bankrupt. And then on top of that, the equipment that they have isn't cheap because you have a bunch of companies that have to take extra care to make sure that their equipment isn't going to crap out and that they have to probably also be insured in the event that something they do produce craps out. Like that's like a good example is like an MRI machine. How much does an MRI cost? Google says an MRI costs about $2,600. So next question, how much does an MRI machine cost? So Google now says an average MRI machine costs more than $1 million. So $1 million, which is probably a low estimate if we're being honest here, divided by 2,600 means that you have to use an MRI basically 384 times just for it to pay off itself. That's a lot of MRI scans. And I'm sure there's overhead and upkeep costs that go into it. But I think you get my point here, which is basically that the very machines that go into healthcare are hella expensive. And part of that is because they're complicated and the market for them isn't very good. And part of that is because of all the regulatory compliances that and the insurance they have to go through. And then on top of that, healthcare providers have to be insured as well, along with doctors who have to put in like the education cost. So what you end up with is this massive amount of resource investment that these healthcare companies have to do that they have to pay for somehow. And the only way they can pay for that is by charging you the customers are providing healthcare to. So where does all that lead us? Well, what's preventing free market forces from making healthcare more abundant to drive the costs down? Well, for the most part, it's once again regulations and how the medical system is set up. So you're trying to minimize liability while maximizing healthcare. One way to do that is the bureaucratic approach, which basically means that you develop a license system in which only certain individuals who are trained to deal with certain situations are authorized to perform those. So what does that mean? It means that you have a lot of individuals who can probably provide the necessary health care who aren't allowed to provide that health care because they're not licensed to. You have to be an MD to provide doctor services or else you could get sued. Heck, you can still get sued if you aren't MD. So the point here is, is that basically you have a situation in which because of medicine licensure and nursing licensure and license enforcement in general in the medical field, you're basically creating a artificial supply shortage. 
because you're preventing people from being able to enter the system unless they have proper licensure and they can only get proper licensure if license I'm not saying I'm not sure if licensure is the right word. They can only get licensed if they go through the proper courses and jump through the proper hoops and pass the proper tests and all this crap. And let's be honest here. Just because you're a doctor and you passed your medical license or just because you're a doctor and you got your medical license doesn't mean you're going to be a good doctor. Just like just because you don't have a license doesn't mean you're not capable of performing care. So what's the solution to all of this? I don't know. If I did, I would probably be rich right now. Because that would be solving one of the greatest problems facing America. Actually, you know what? We'll talk about the solution to this in the next episode. I think that that would be potentially value-added. Heck, we'll make it a solutions episode. We'll talk about solutions to the tax system and solutions to the medical system. But overall, our outline problems here are pretty much number one that we have kind of like crony capitalism, regulation, burden, preventing stuff from being able to be used. And then we have insurance company misalignment and misincentivization. And then we have excessive licensure and regulatory requirements. All of these things working together to drive up costs. So those are the problems we're dealing with. So hopefully you enjoyed this. I'm sure you probably didn't because I can't think of many people who would tune in to listen to a discussion about the healthcare system, but you never know. Maybe you did. So thank you for listening and uh, join me in the next episode of the Stop to Think podcast when we discuss this. (laughs) 